Josh, great to be with you. Everybody, uh, I never have to ask you, can you hear me? Because uh, probably without a microphone, you could hear me anyway. So everybody's okay. Uh, everything's working well. We're going to read the Word of God together. We're in part two of our series in Gideon. And today we're looking at stepping out in courage. Stepping out in courage. Um, different preachers do it different ways. I like to read the passage and I'll encourage people to read it with me because there's something powerful about the Word of God, and there's something powerful about declaring the Word of God over your life. So let's do it together if you'd like to, no pressure. We're going to start in Judges chapter 6 and at verse 12. I'm going to turn and read it with you. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it's really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour, he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, I think it's Jehovah Shalom. It means the Lord is our peace. To this day, it stands in Ophrah of the Abiasrites. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down offer the second bull as a burnt offering. We're nearly there. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. Have we missed one, buddy? Did I miss one? Can we go back one? Is that it? 26, is there a 27? There's not? Oh, okay, no worries, pop it on then. Bloody, 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 bloody. Yeah, the Lord was in it. Uh, that was the amplified uh, yeah, message. Uh, the people of the town <laughs> demanded of Joash, basically, basically he ripped down the altars. He did what God told him. And it's the people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. We know who did it. 
He must die because he's broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash, that's his dad, Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So Gideon broke down Baal's altar. So because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him the name Jerub Baal that day saying, let Baal contend with him. Guys, quite a lengthy passage, but important because we have to get the context of what we're preaching about today. Okay, who's ever been to a football match before? Anybody been to a football match? All right. There's something that happens at a lot of football matches. It goes something like this. Who are you? Who are you? So they shout at each other. Who are you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? The funniest one I ever heard was a, a friend of mine's a Plymouth fan, and we went down to Dagenham and Redbridge. Yeah, down to Dagenham Redbridge, and I went into the Plymouth Argyle end behind the goal. And it was quite humorous. The Plymouth fans coming from the coast... Uh, shouted to all the punters from Dagenham and Redbridge in the London area, have you ever seen the sea? I thought that was quite amusing, quite funny, taking the rip out of them that they'd never seen the seaside because they came from inland. Football fans can be quite mean. Sometimes it can be quite funny. But people say, who are you? Let me tell you something. Amen. The very, the very measure of blessing that you and I can experience in fulfilling the purposes of God is linked to knowing the answer to that question. Who are you? Let me explain. If you say, well, I think the Lord loves me. Uh, I don't think I'm much cop. I don't think I'm very gifted. I don't think I can do much. Why would God ever want to use me? Who's with me? Guess what? you won't see much happen. That's not insulting, that's the truth. When you know who you are in Christ Jesus, boy, the sky's the limit. That is the root issue, I think, in many of our lives, why we feel unfulfilled in walking with God and serving with God, because we're not secure in who we are. We're functioning out of a place where we're not secure. I have to pray harder. I have to read the Bible more, more chapters. I have to tell people about Jesus. I have to go to church. Maybe God will give me a greater anointing if I work harder. The anointing comes because of who we are. Sons, daughters, that's why the anointing comes. It's not because I strive hard to impress them. I tell my students at school, the only person who's impressive is the one who hung on the cross. He's the impressive one. And that life that comes from him and fills our hearts with that security of knowing who we are then releases us to be able to flow into all that God has for us from a place of security, a place of rest, rather than a place of striving. Well, let me give you three little ones here. They're on the screen. Here's three little examples. You say, oh, 
Who are you? I'll tell you. I am a forgiven one. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, has cleansed me from every sin. I am a forgiven one. That's who I am. I am a blessed one. In the heavenly realms, I've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. They're all mine. I am a blessed man. That's who I am. I am victorious, not because it's my strength or my power, but I am victorious in him. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. I'm a victorious one. So when you shout at me, who are you? I am forgiven. I am blessed. I am victorious. I am an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I have everything I need to live a life that's full for the glory of God. Come on, is anybody with me here? That's the truth. And that's true about you if you're a believer as much as it is about me. I am not a special case. Well, you might think I am, but I'm not a special case. We all have this power. And I looked it up on the internet. Look, I got three pages. Who I am in Christ declarations. The scripture is full of who I am, who you are in the Lord Jesus let me tell you this, the reason why I'm talking about this from the kickoff is this. The first thing the Lord says here, he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, you weak, pathetic little man who will never accomplish anything. No, that's not quite what it says. That's the kind of devil's version. It says the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Come on. And, and someone said, I read someone in a book saying, well, the Lord was seeing what he was going to become later when he became a very strong man. I'm sorry, I don't think I agree with that. Here's what I think it says. I think it says, this is the way God views him. He doesn't view himself like that. But this is the way God sees him. And you know, brothers and sisters, this is the way I've been describing to you. This is the way God sees us. So I want to ask you right from the kickoff today, do you see yourself the way the Bible tells you you should see yourself from his perspective? Or do you see yourself from all the circumstances around you that cry out to you, you're this, you're that, you're the next thing. Now, do you know what? This is not planned, so be gracious to me. When I was in the prayer meeting today, before Tom prayed, this is the honest truth, before Tom prayed for me that he saw me like leading some sort of charge, what I felt drop into my head was the hacker. <laughs> honest, that's the honest truth. The hacker. If you don't know what a hacker is, it's what the, they're called the All Blacks. They come to New Zealand. They play rugby and the All Blacks come out and one guy at the front, they all go in formation. Have you seen this on the TV, perhaps at the World Cup? They go in formation. And they start off doing this war dance. And everybody's behind them. It's powerful. Why? Why do they do it? Yes, it's part of the culture, part of the heritage. I get that. But they do it to say, we're here. We're here. You better watch out. Didn't end too well for them in the final, mind you. Well, bless the, bless the South Africans. Listen to this. Let's just do this together. I'm going to be very brave, and I might look silly, but I don't care. Okay? Will you join me? We're going to do a wee hacker. All right? So, everybody stand. Are you ready? So, this is, um, this is not a gimmick. This is important. 
What I'm going to do is, I haven't got loads, but I've written some down. I am going to make some declarations about who I am, and you're going to bounce them back to me by speaking them back to me that you're the same. Make sense? So if I say, I am adopted, I now live in him. You go. You've got it. You are a very quick class to learn. Fantastic. Okay, are we ready? Honestly, I mean this. There's something powerful in this. Okay, it's not a gimmick. It's powerful. As you speak the words, remind your heart, that is who I am. Mighty warriors. Okay, here we go. I've only got a few, but we'll try. I am adopted. I now live in him. I am redeemed and I now have a hope. I am a saint and I now have God's peace. I am mighty in battle, his power lives in me. Jesus is victor, his rule will not end. Amen. Sit down. Thank you. There you go. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, well, once that's settled, let's go take the world. Let's go do what God calls us to do. We can do anything in his power. The second thing I want to say is, the first point is this, I am who he says I am. That's the first point. The second point is this, let's move on. I am not who my circumstances tell me I am. Come on. Here we go. Confused. He says, he says, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? Come on now, isn't that a very common question? And it's a fair question, I'm not knocking that. We all have moments in our lives when we think, why? Why, Lord? Why am I going through this? Why did I have to go through that? Why did that happen? They're valid questions. But sometimes they can bring confusion, where we feel muddled, and we can lose sight of the fact that he is our loving father. He is good. Amen. He is good. Now you say, oh, come on, what are you talking about? I've been through some bad stuff. I get that. But I'm not going to tell you something other than what the Bible says and what God says about himself. So when God says he is good, that's it. Everything else has to somehow work itself out around that central truth that God is good. God is not bad. God is not evil. There is no evil in him. Evil cannot exist within him. God is good. And so even today, if you come, you think, I'm confused now. It's okay to be confused. But come to him and say, I don't get it, but I love you. I don't get it, but I'll trust you. I don't get it, but I'll press on. Even if I never get it, I'll press on. I don't think I'm going to understand everything this side of heaven. So there's a matter of trust. Secondly, he says, where are all his wonders that our fathers and mothers told us about? The sense of powerless. The sense of, uh, we heard about what the Lord used to do. Who's heard this, yeah? Hugh, Hugh talked about it last week. Remember the Hebridean revival in Scotland way back in 1900 and something? Praise God for every revival of the move of his Holy Spirit, but we're not satisfied. We want to see your kingdom here. We sang it last week, didn't we? We want to see your kingdom here. I want to be part of a move of God. I don't just, 
I don't just want to hear about a move of God 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, hundreds of years ago. We can learn lessons from that, but we want to see his kingdom here. We want people, how, how can a church, how can a church suddenly have people flying in from all over the world and they come to see what's going on? How does that happen? Is it because they got a cheap flight? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's just that. When God's spirit is poured out and things begin to happen, people will be running to get to this place. They'll be running to get to this place. I've said it before, I'll speak it over a city again. To bless the NHS, the greatest way I know we can bless the NHS is to see more people healed through the ministry of this church so there's more beds for other people and the, the nurses and the doctors are not run off their feet because the healing power of Jesus is amongst his people in this city. And if you're sick, you know where to go. If you're addicted, you know where to go. You can be delivered, you can be set free. That's what the church should be. That's what God's calling us up to. We're up to that. That's, that's the best way to bless the social services. Bless the NHS. Bless the police. <clears throat> when revival comes, the cops are all redundant. Excuse me, are redundant. The cops are redundant when revival comes. Because so many folk come to Christ, they don't have to deal with so many criminals. That's what's happened in the history of revival. They don't know what to do with themselves on a Saturday night. Playing cards at the desk. Because so many people's lives have been transformed. People turn up at the police station and say, you know that crime five years ago, it was me. Because they come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they realize they have to do what's the right thing, the just thing. Abandoned. The Lord, Gideon says, but now the Lord's abandoned us. Those miracles are a thing of the past. They don't happen anymore. Where is he? Why is it not turned out the way we hoped? He feels abandoned. Here's one. He feels disqualified. He says, my clan is the weakest and I am the least in my family. Funny little notes after that. That's just to help me remember what I want to say next. Okay? I want to read something to you before I do. I've put my mum's name up there. I'll try not to get emotional, all right? You know many of you, my mum and dad both have Alzheimer's. My dad's got vascular dementia. It's tough sometimes. But let me tell you something. God's bigger. God's bigger. And God, God can do weird things with our minds. My mum, if I phone my mum right now and say, hey mum, what did you have for your breakfast? Not a clue. Hey mum, did you go to the club today over at the church? Uh, turns to my dad, Alan, did we go to that club? No idea. But let me tell you something. I'm going to jump up and down. I go to my mum and dad's house and my mum says to me, son, don't forget this. Even with Alzheimer's, she says, don't forget this. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. So, so you, may, you may forget some things, but the truth of the word of God's in there and it's been in our heart and our life since a young age and it's still there, praise God, even in the midst of Alzheimer's. Why am I telling you that? Because this is so important on this point. We look at the outward so often and we can miss what God wants to do because we look at the outward. And then something happens through someone and we think, what on earth? How did a move of God start with her or him? We get offended because we thought God should do it a certain way. Listen to this, I'll break your heart. There is more. 
Sounds like that wee Irish comedian. And there's more. And there's more. That wee man, remember him? And, and there's more. There is more. Listen to this. About revival. One of the saddest notes associated with the answer to a century of prayer for the Pentecostal outpouring was its rejection by some of the very groups that had cried out for such a visitation and restoration of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, break your heart. Perhaps it was because of the way it came, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because of the way it came at Azusa Street, that's in Los Angeles. In the day of Jim Crow laws, basically racist laws of segregation amongst black people and white people, disgraceful treatment of black people, and the segregation of the races, the idea that God would choose, his name was William J. Seymour, a one-eyed black man with little formal education as the instrument of the as the instrument of the revival and would locate it in a former livery stable on the wrong side of the tracks, that's not my opinion, was more than they could handle. It seems that God likes to show up in stables. People, people, people. God is no respecter of persons. It got me thinking, is there any prejudice in any of us that would be offended if God poured his spirit out in a measure that would blow us away through someone we think just looks a bit different. I'm not even talking black and white. And don't take this the wrong way. For some of us, it might be a young guy or girl covered in tattoos with loads of piercings. They might even be same-sex attracted, but they're living for Jesus Christ in purity and walking in the power of God, and honouring Christ. What happens? What happens if a mighty move of God comes through a young man or a young woman like that? Am I going to go, yes, Lord, bring it on? Or am I going to go, ooh, don't know. Sobering. It's sobering. Please, people of God, do not miss what God wants to do because of any form of prejudice, any form of I'm not into that sort of world. If they are walking with Jesus Christ and they love him and they're open to obeying God and being filled with his power, they qualify. Who cares what colours they wear? <laughs> who, colors, who cares whether they wear a hat or they don't? Or they wear, you know, I'm not fussed. God looks for a man or a woman who will say, I'm all yours. Take my life, do with it whatever you like, I'll be an instrument for your glory. Wow. Come on, I'm getting excited already. I'm looking around the room thinking, who's bringing it in? Who's bringing it in? Who's open to the Lord to, to bring in more of his presence and his power? Let's kick on. Amen. Thank you. And the next one. Uh, he says, he says, give me a sign. Let me know, Lord. Let me know. Give me a sign that it's, that it's really you. He's quite insecure. We can all be quite insecure at times. He says, if you will save Israel by my hand as you've promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. And he gets this wet fleece and the ground is dry. The next time 
the ground is soaking wet and the fleece is dry. God's doing these signs to remind them that he's with them. And sometimes God does that. But you know what? Sometimes he doesn't. And you just have to step out and go for it and see what will happen. By the way, guys, I, I might be wrong, but my text looks all over the shop. <laughs> I thought when I sent it in, it looked quite good. I don't know something miraculously, miraculously has happened to it. Never mind, as long as you can read it. And, and there also he was fearful. And because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than the daytime. That means he went up to his house, he ripped down the false gods, the false idols, but he did it at night time because he was scared. Now, come on, let's be a bit gracious here. Number one, he did it. That's great. Let's be fair, he did it. He did what God told him to do. He was a bit scared. Guess what? We all get a bit scared. Absolutely, it's quite normal to be a bit scared. But we've got one living in us who's got all the power. We're relying on his power. Not on our own. I can't do a single thing in my own strength to change anything. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, God can help us. Let's move on. Next one. I am able to do everything God calls me to do. So are you. We can do it, people. We can do it. God says to him, God encourages, he's encouraged by God. God says, go in the strength you've got. He encourages him, he nudges him. Come on, you can do this. God says, I'm sending you. Who's with me? If God sends you, that brings security, doesn't it? You're not doing your own thing. But even better than that, he's accompanied by God. God says, I will be with you. Hallelujah. That means when we step out in boldness and courage, even if we make mistakes, we know he's with us. He knows our hearts. Now, I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Who's with me? I'd rather step out and make loads of mistakes than sit in my butt and point fingers at those that step out and don't seem to be successful. Let me tell you a story. It's not to boast about me. It's just to tell you this is how it works. I was an ordinary guy, right? Uh, at the conference, was it last week? There was a black brother, a lovely chap from Peterborough. He was on the keys. He was amazing, did a great job, totally blind. Amazing gift from God. Leading people in worship, beautiful. And right from the kickoff, my heart's racing. Lord, I want you to come in power. I want you to open his eyes. He's completely blind. Please, would you do a miracle? Day after day, kept seeing him up there. People had to lead him up to the platform, lead him off the platform. Kept seeing it. Then on the last day, coming towards the end, shaking. I don't mean necessarily Holy Spirit. I mean shaking like scared. Are you going, do you want me to do something? Are you calling me to do something? Or just, do I just keep quiet and stand here? And this man, this man was praying, he said, let a gift of faith come. And when, the, when he said, let a gift of faith come, I felt like bolt go through me. I thought, I've got to do something. The conference is nearly over. That man's gone back quite a wee distance away. So I went to the person hosting and said, this is what I felt God wanted to do. Should we do it privately or publicly? Privately, fine. And then he went and got one of his elders from his church. And I just checked with him, is it okay if I pray? Yeah, sure, let's go and talk to him. Anyway, I know what you're all waiting for, but wait a minute. He said, I'd love you to pray for me. I laid my hands on him. I began to weep because I felt the compassion of the Lord for him. And I prayed, Lord Jesus, come in power. Open his eyes. 
And we're all sitting here going, yes, Al. And he went home with his eyes open. No, not yet. But you know what he said to me? It'll stay with me forever. I said, it's difficult. I'm, I'm, I'm standing there shaking, knowing whether I should do something or not. He says to me, brother, you do what the Lord tells you to do. Some people see me as the blind guy in the room. I'm just the blind guy in the room. You do what God tells you to do. Thank you for coming and praying for me. I really appreciate it. And since then, I've been praying for him. Listen, Hugh said it, I think, last week in his preach. Obedience is success. Too many people, sometimes on the TV, on certain channels, want to stand up and tell you about all the great results. And if he goes, woohoo, and so do I. Every time someone comes to faith in Jesus, someone gets healed, set free from demonic powers. Yes, come on, fantastic. But what they don't often tell you is the times when God says, step out, and you go on obedience, and it doesn't always look successful. I want to say to the church, we love you. As elders, we love you. We celebrate obedience. Step out. Go for it. If it doesn't seem to happen right there and then, go for it anyway. Any slight nudge that you feel God's giving you to go pray for someone, go do it. You will see more than the brother or sister who sits on their bottom and doesn't do anything. They won't see much. Because God's not looking for experts. You know these people, all of us, who sit in front of the TV and we think we know how to tell people how to play the game. You know, you should just, oh, why did he not just do that? Why did he not just shoot them rather than pass it? We're all experts, yeah, in front of the telly. Sometimes as Christians we can be like that. We're all experts about health and healing and wholeness. I want to know something. If you're an expert in health and healing and wholeness and deliverance ministry, guess what? I want to know if you're out there offering to pray for people and seeing the power of God move. Don't just talk to me about theories. Come on now, church. It's not all about theories. It's about practice. It's about going ahead and stepping out and seeing God move. So I want to encourage you. Come on. This week and weeks to come, do not be fearful. Remember who you are. The power, this is incredible, the same power that helped raise Jesus from the dead lives in you. Come on. I don't think we get that sometimes. How does he manage that? He raises Jesus Christ up from the dead and the same Holy Spirit lives in me and you. And some believers say to me, I'm not sure I can, I'm not sure I can accomplish much. Who's living in you? Sorry, is that a bit blunt? <laughs> is that a bit direct? Who's, who's living in you? Who is the one who's inside you? Let's move on. I am able. He's empowered. He brings this offering to the angel of the Lord and the blooming thing gets burnt up. That's gutting, isn't it? You go to a nice restaurant, you pick my favourite, lamb roast, followed by sticky toffee pudding and custard, and the Lord comes in and burns up my blooming lunch. It's not exactly very encouraging, is it? Well, it is kind of. I'm being funny with you. But burn, burns up the food. The power of God comes. Burns up his food. It does say that Gideon went and did what the angel told him to do. God's looking for obedience. We've touched on that already. And that night God did so. God actually did those signs for him. It's very merciful and gracious, isn't it? God was very gracious with them. God reassured them. 
And ending the room, no, we need that on a regular basis. When our Father in heaven reassures us, I love you, I'm for you. I want you to live a, a glorious life. I mean that genuinely, a glorious life. Not an easy one, but a glorious one lived for the glory of God. And my final slide, I think, Manila, I was talking to Tom about this before the service. He, he, here's, here's a little thing I need to say. This is what the enemy Satan does. He's very sly. But he shoots himself in the foot. We hear people teach a teaching from Scripture, and sometimes they maybe take it too far. And then the enemy goes, I told you, it's dodgy. It's dodgy theology. Because that guy on the God channel, or that lady on the God channel, they, they take it a bit further and they confess things out of their mouth. Bless me, Lord, I believe for a Cadillac, therefore it's mine. You know, people go to extremities, extremities, yeah? And the enemy goes, told you, keep clear of that stuff. Let me say, lie. Lie. Maybe keep clear of that stuff, but don't keep clear of confession. I'm not talking Roman Catholic confession here. I'm talking about confession in terms of what comes out our mouth. Is the word of God meant to dwell in us richly? Yes. Paul talks about if we confess with our mouth. Confession's important. What I say out of my mouth reflects my condition. Oh, oh really? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I am a loser. I cannot... Oh, 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 what's coming out of the heart? How could God ever use me? Oh, what's coming out of the heart? How could I ever forgive that person? Oh, what's coming out of the heart? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And the writer to Proverbs says, the tongue's got the power of life and death. What I think that means is, our words, whatever it means in depth, here's what it does mean for sure. There is great power in our words. You don't believe me? I'll take you to children that I've taught whose parents have told them from the earliest age they're a loser. Guess what? They believe it. I, please don't take offence at this, my dear sister Lindsay. I'm going to give an example. It's not true, but it's an example. In this school, years ago, I, I taught children from Clacton. It's like, what can I achieve? come from Clacton. Nonsense. Utter tosh. You can accomplish incredible things whether you, wherever you come from, wherever you've been, however you've messed up, you can accomplish great things. That's as true for Jaywick as it is for Kensington. God is no respecter of persons. No respecter of persons. But what comes out of the mouth is important. Now, I'm not saying we, we have to go around speaking verses of Scripture to each other. That's not quite what I'm saying. But what comes out of our mouth reflects a healthy place in our hearts. So I want to say to you, we're almost done. I don't want to have a situation where you hear me say, I cannot do what God's called me to do. Pull me up. <laughs> Pull me up. <laughs> if I'm going, I can't do this and I can't do this. God's called me to, but I can't do this. 
pull me up. Because it's not true. The truth is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so can you. The secret is, as God called us to it. We're not just making it up. If God's called us, so if God's called us to tell people the good news, it's good to tell people the good news. If God says, go pray for that guy. Oh, but Lord, he's the most awkward guy in the office. Go pray for him. All right, Lord, you can do it. There is no limitations on what God can do through a man or a woman who will be submitted to him and will say, I believe you. You can do what you want through me and I will be able to do incredible things. Some Christians think it sounds a little arrogant. I am not being one ounce arrogant. I'm saying to you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do anything that God calls you to. But if it's the power of the flesh, if you're trying to work it up, flop. No use. I feel another story coming on. Can I do one more story? I, uh, Rob's not in the room, but I shared this with Rob yesterday. Do, do, you ever, do you ever have moments when you just dream about amazing things happening in the power of God? Do you ever have moments like that? I had a moment like that yesterday, and I was quite excited. I thought, it's going to happen. So my family, and sometimes the Claytons come with us, we do crazy things. Like we go a day trip like to Cologne in Germany. Yesterday I was in Cologne for the day, a day trip. You just get an early flight and one back at night and you go and spend the day somewhere. It's absolutely great fun. So I'm on the plane, I'm nodding off. Comes when you get to nearly 57, do you know what I mean? Just, you know, start to nod a wee bit. And um, do you know what I saw? Bonkers, absolute bonkers. There's a massive big cathedral in Cologne. You may have been there. I saw myself outside the cathedral and this is what happened in my mind. I walked up and I saw a bunch of Christians outside the cathedral and they were worshipping Jesus. And I walked up to say, hi, nice to meet you. We're from England, we're Christians. And some guy goes, come on, come on, my friend. Just grab the microphone now and just start to preach. And I, and I had this message going through my head what I was going to preach. And then other, other things happened. Like I, I, I heard, I thought I heard was like uh, an immigrant family, six-year-old girl, blind in both eyes, pray for her and I'll do a miracle. What? I'm just on a flight. <laughs> I'm just on a flight on an airplane. What? And I, I said to Rob, here's what I saw. I said, fine, we'll see what happens. Do you know what? Nothing happened. <laughs> and do you know what? This is brilliant. I love it. Nothing happened. Do I go home and beat myself up? Oh, you misheard God. You know, do you know what? I felt like God said to me, I felt like, not audibly, I felt like God said to me, son, I just love it when you dream. I love it when you dream big dreams about what I can do. And you know what, church? I want to encourage you to dream big dreams about what God wants to do. Something happens in me. Even though I turned up at the cathedral, there was nobody there. It never happened. There was no six-year-old blind girl from an immigrant family. Never happened. It's okay. I'm not upset by that. All I'm going to say to you is this. I could be wasting my time dreaming about other stuff. I'd rather have my mind filled up with that kind of stuff than other stuff. And it, what it does is it whets the appetite. It makes you say, come on, this is what I want to see God do. Ending in the room not satisfied, hear me carefully, in the sense that they want more. I'm satisfied in that he's good. I'm satisfied in what he's done so far. He's incredible. I love him to bits. But something in me says, I know there's more than this. 
And I think there's many of you in the room feel that too. Gideon, scared silly, worried, fearful, anxious. God's deserted us. And God says, you're a mighty warrior. And I'm not going to pinch Shemdi's sermon from next week, but we know, we know, it, we know how, where it ends, many of us. And I just want to say to you today, even though I don't see it, he's still working. Even though I don't, what's the other bit? Feel it, he's still working. My job, your job, like Gideon, is to do what God tells you to do and the answers, I need him to answer. So when people say, Al, you've prayed for lots of people who don't get healed. Do you know what? True. Am I going to stop praying for healing? No chance. No chance. I'm going to keep praying for healing. I'm going to keep pressing in. And do you know what? If I go to heaven to be with Jesus and one person got healed or one person came to faith, Hallelujah. Because all that matters is that I obey him. And all that matters is really that you obey him. In the old brethren days, we used to sing the old hymn, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy, to truly be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And it's true. Trust him and obey. One last thing. I saw a picture. I say that a lot, by the way, don't I? I say it about 46 times. One last thing. I do apologize. I saw a picture yesterday up on a board and it was a, a lady with her back to, back to you, and she had a sun hat and a suitcase. Just like that, I felt the Lord say to me, protection, the sun hat, protection, the suitcase, provision. Provision. Everything we need is provided for. I say this many times to the family here at the church. It's really important. There is every blessing, every gift you need in Christ. But whether you go and take advantage of that gift, whether you go to the treasure chest that's in Christ, and whether you take it out and say, it's mine, is your choice. It's not God will just do this, do this. No, we need to, we call it appropriate. We need to appropriate what God has done. So when we're having a difficult time, and we think, where is the money going to come from? We're trying to honor God with our finances and bless him and his people. How is he going to come through for us? We go to the treasure chest. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He is able to make every grace abound to me. He's able to, my God will supply all my needs. Now that doesn't mean that Al just goes and chucks his money around silly. When we're honoring the Lord, we're blessing God and doing what he asks us to do, we go to the treasure chest and remind him, come on Lord, every blessing is mine. Provision, protection, everything we need. Okay.